1: This is the Nightcap
2: with Tim Murray and Super Bowl champion Sean King on v End, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Hour two of the Nightcap. That is Wes Reynolds. I am Tim Murray, and yes, I ate a hot dog during the commercial break because it's opening day, and Derek Stevens bought a lot of hot dogs, so uh, I decided to crush a hot dog. And
2: and, and, and good for you and that I did you cut the chili off your shirt. I I, I I didn't even try to go for that <laughs> because I knew that that wasn't going to happen. Of course, I'm wearing a yellow shirt, so you know it's all getting dumped on this. Well, but if you just went mustard,
3: you know, it'd blend right in.
2: Um, We got a lot of baseball going on. Uh, The New York Mets Hey,
3: it's uh, not been a great offseason due to injuries, but they're beating the Nationals five to one. Uh, But enough of baseball. Let's get into our next guest. It is Sam Munson for Pro Football Focus. Uh, Always love his insight. And uh, we're going to get into the NFL draft with Sam as he is uh, over there at PFF, the lead NFL analyst. Uh, Sam, let's get to. Even though it's not a sexy, so to speak, uh, quarterback class this year, you have looked at these quarterbacks. And, you know, I'm curious your thoughts and how things have broken down from everything you've studied. Because the more and more I look at it and read different mocks and kind of the way the wind is blowing, it feels like Kenny Pickett to Carolina makes a lot of sense. He's now a favorite to go there based off of some betting odds out there. So when you look at this quarterback breakdown, uh, how do you rank them? And who do you think is ultimately the first quarterback selected?
4: Yeah, I think there, there does seem to be a very real chance that Kenny Pickett is going to go to Carolina, that the Panthers do like him and that he's the guy they're going to peg as being the answer at that position. It's not a move. I would be comfortable making if I was Carolina, really it's, it's not a good group of quarterbacks. Um, and But the one guy I think that I would take the gamble on as a reasonably high first round pick is Malik Willis from Liberty. Um, he's the guy that has the special tools. He's got an incredible arm. His highlight reel is spectacular. He's a really good athlete and a, a good runner of the ball, which aren't necessarily the, the same thing all the time. So I think that rushing ability brings a really high floor to his NFL play a little bit like Jalen hurts with the Eagles Um, Jalen hurts. still has a long way to go as a passer, but the Eagles offense was like top 10 in the NFL and EPA per play because Jalen hurts, you know, rushed for 800 yards and a bunch of touchdowns. Like they were productive because Jalen hurts is able to take off at any given moment and pick up a first down with his legs. And that buys him a lot of margin for error as a passer. And I think Malik Willis would have a similar, kind of outlook in year one while you figure out where his ceiling can be as he develops and improves as a passing quarterback.
2: Sam staying with Willis, and assuming that Aiden Hutchinson is going to go number one of on the Jacksonville Jaguars, that's at least a consensus right now. All these teams, starting with Detroit at number two, it seems like they're open for business to trade down if somebody wants to go and grab Malik Willis. But do you think that there's a willing buyer, assuming this Panthers picket scenario, see, you know, will end up happening? Do you think anybody is willing to trade up that high for Willis?
4: No, probably not. And I think that's why you're hearing things like you know Detroit could potentially take him a number two overall. I think teams are sort of floating the idea that Malik Willis could go in the top couple of picks and try and entice somebody to trade up if they do want to snag him. But ultimately I suspect he slips past those picks. I think the Panthers probably do have Kenny Pickett earmarked at number six, at which point where Malik Willis starts to get interesting is, you know, eight, nine, the, the very bottom of that top 10, where you start to have teams that either need a quarterback or need a quarterback for the future. And, you know, don't have that very top end pick to to spend it on Malik Willis. And that's probably where he deserves to go. He's an incredibly talented quarterback, but he's flawed enough that the lower down in that first round, certainly the lower down the top 10, you could get him the better.
3: We're talking to Sam Munson for pro football focus. Let's shift to wide receivers uh, because your ranking of wide receivers, I think, would raise some eyebrows because look I, I. I think a lot of people have just now been had these names burned into their heads, and they look at maybe the betting market and see that it's Garrett Wilson and Drake London 1-2 uh, as, as the most likely uh, wide receivers to go first. But the way you break down these wide receivers, you actually have Drake London a little bit further down. So how do you grade out these wide receivers in this class?
4: Yeah, and Wilson was the guy that kind of jumped out as just the cleanest prospect way back when, when you sort of started watching these guys way back in college and, you know, from watching Justin Fields' tape and all this kind of stuff. And after watching everybody and going through the whole process, you kind of come full circle and think that, yeah, Wilson is just the the best compromise of all of the skills and all of the abilities and has – I just think he's good at everything. You know, he might not be great at anything, and I don't think he's a – Jamar chase level prospect, but he is good at everything. And that probably does make him the best wide receiver in this class, which I think is generally a pretty strong class, but it's not loaded with elite talent. The way a couple of draft classes recently have been Um, Drake London is, is interesting because I've had this thing for years that if the first thing you can tell me about a wide receiver is how great he is at contested catches, it probably means he isn't a great wide receiver because most of the job is getting open to the point where you don't need to make a contested catch. And obviously that's the first thing you're going to hear about Drake London from anybody. That is his calling card. He is incredible at that. I do think he's good enough at some of the other stuff that it isn't, it's not like, you know, Nikhil Harry, where that really was the only thing he was bringing to the table, and he couldn't separate and get open at the college level. Drake London does get open, and he's really good, not just at winning contested catches, but at adjusting to the ball in the air and kind of putting himself in a really good position to make it not even necessarily a contested catch. So I do like Drake London, but the, the people that he reminds me of uh, in terms of players, so Plaxico Burris or... Um, Michael Clayton for the Buccaneers, where he had that one great year and then kind of disappeared. They're not necessarily great players. I and mean, it just between that and the contested catch stuff and the, the history of those guys in, in recent years, it's just scary enough that I'm, I, I drop them down the rankings a little bit over these guys that either have a sort of complete um, skill set and route running ability and, and consistently separate Or these guys that have like blazing speed like Jameson Williams.
2: Sam, usually in the draft, especially as you get kind of toward the middle portion of the first round, there's always that one position where there's like a lot of run on players. You know, some years it's receivers, some years it's offensive tackle, some years it's corner, and maybe this year it could be edge rusher. Is there a position, assuming like, let's say Hutchinson, Thibodeau and Walker go in the top 10, do you think you're all of a sudden going to see a rush, a rush on edge rushers here in this draft in the
4: middle? Yeah, I mean, generally, I think edge rusher might be the single strongest position in this entire draft. And I think that's why you've seen a little bit um, some of these veteran free agent edge rushers that are still out there, productive players that haven't been signed. I think a big part of that is because teams have taken a look at the um, at the free at the draft class that's incoming and have decided that they don't need to do that. They don't need to bring in a veteran because there's so many talented uh, pass rushers about to enter this draft. And yeah, I think you're going to see those top guys go obviously at the, the very top of the draft, the Aiden Hutchinson's uh, Thibodeau, uh, Trayvon Walker seems to have an absolute ton of hype around him right now. Then I think there's a little bit of a gap, but I, I think you're right. We're probably going to see this run of guys like George Karlaftis from, from Purdue, Jermaine Johnson. Uh, I, I don't think David Ojabo is going to fall that far, even though he got that really unfortunate injury. Um, Boy, Mafe, like, I think you are going to see this real run of these guys late in the first round, early in the second round and see them flying off the board.
3: We're talking once again, to Sam Munson at PFF underscore Sam. You you mentioned uh, Trayvon Walker and uh, the buzz that's been surrounding him. Derek Stingley had his pro day yesterday. So a lot of buzz of him may moving up in these draft classes. So with people rising, that means there's some fallers and one would be Kyle Hamilton. Um, you know what what have you made of Kyle Hamilton and I know uh, your colleague Eric Eager who we talked to you know on a weekly basis here on the show has kind of looked at his odds and said you know he's probably not going in the top eight which is what you know the odds makers suspect so when you look at Kyle Hamilton uh, what what do you uh, think about him as a prospect and 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 then also you
0: know something that PF.
3: I know that you guys look at, you know, how much uh, value is there uh, for a safety this early in a draft?
4: Yeah, I love Kyle Hamilton. I think he has the potential to be a really special prospect. And when earlier on in the process, we were talking about this guy and saying, yeah, he's a safety. And generally speaking, it's not the most valuable position in the world. But if you find a guy that is genuinely special, that can completely transform everything that you you do on defense, you know, and you can think of players that were genuinely the linchpin in specific coverage schemes. Nobody was able to replicate the Legion of boom and that Seattle cover three type of system because nobody could find Earl Thomas. You know, there wasn't another one of those guys around. Um, And you think back to Pittsburgh when they had Troy Palomalu, you know, running all over that defense, he made that entire thing tick by being able to show up anywhere at any given time. Um, you know, obviously these are elite players we're talking about, but if Hamilton is able to reach that kind of ceiling or has that kind of potential within him, it would make you think it is worth taking a safety somewhere in the top 10 or the top five even. But I think what really torpedoed any chance of that was those 40 times that he ran um, at the combine and then couldn't improve upon it at his pro day, even though there was a reported number out there that was slightly quicker those numbers that he posted there, they're not terrible, but they needed to be really good in order for him to have that kind of argument that, that you need to throw out what you think you know about position value and how important safety is because this guy is that special. Just that number alone is the kind of data point that will make teams immediately yeah. not entertain that kind of argument.
3: He is Sam Munson. Follow him on Twitter at pff underscore Sam, the lead NFL analyst over there at pff. Sam, as always, we appreciate the insight. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. Dan Campbell had a very interesting quote regarding the number two pick. We'll tell you about that, and if it could be Malik Willis, nightcap.
4: This is the Nightcap on VSN, the Sports
2: Betting Network.
3: Draft your lineup to win cold hard cash, then chill. Play the Fantasy Baseball Throwdown presented by Coors Light for free. Draft a winning lineup for your shot at a share of 5000 bucks in cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Coors Light Rockies. Now to join the action. Coors Light, perfect shot of refreshment, 21 and over. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Alongside the one and only Wes Reynolds, I am Tim Murray. Both you and I have ones in our Twitter handles. Did you know that? I did not know that. Yeah, we're Wes Reynolds one. I'm one Tim Murray. Look at that right there, both of us. I couldn't get Tim Murray. It's like a, a, mm-hmm. one of those egg avatars with like two tweets.
2: I'm well, like, can, I, can I? I got it? the one because when they made me, they broke the mold for Wes Reynolds is around the world, of course. <laughs> <laughs> there, you, you only need one. One is more than enough uh, for this matter. All right. Uh,
3: so thanks again to Sam Munson. Great stuff there. By the way, uh, we always like to give shout out to winners. Uh,
2: you sir, Reds winner. Yeah, this one belongs to the Reds. I know uh, your buddy John Sadak, who's not the voice of the Reds, uh, isn't going to make that call. That was the old Marty Brennaman uh, call from the days, and then his son, and then uh, and there's a and there's a launch to center field. Isn't, isn't that how it goes? Uh, I always see these memes, uh, that that very awkward uh, night in Kansas City, but nevertheless, uh, not an awkward night for the Reds. Six to three in Atlanta. Tyler Malley. Gets the win, 1-0 on the season. Uh, This got busted open by the Brandon Drury three-run homer. That made it 6-1, so the Reds do get off to a 1-0 start. There you go. A little money
3: there. Uh, The Mets lead the Nationals 5-1. And uh, Mr. Derek Stevens is happy
2: out there watching the Padres. Uh, They lead the Arizona Diamondbacks 2-0. Their uh, their top. Yeah, pick. no hits yet for the Diamondbacks. I know you got to wait, I think, till the sixth inning where that becomes a thing. Is that kind of the rule now with the no-hitter? But uh zero, zero, 0 on the board for the Diamondbacks.
3: All I know, last year, uh, when Jeff Parles would come in and sit in uh, what mm-hmm. would eventually be Sean King's seat, uh, I think we had, like, two no-hitters in a stretch of, like, three or four shows. Okay. So it was like, Jeff was the no-hitter guy. So Because uh, we had a bunch. We had a rush of them. Uh, right out of the chute. Uh, so thanks again, by the way, as I mentioned, Sam Munson. So I have uh, I have made an NFL draft bet recently, and it is Kenny Pickett to be the first quarterback selected. And you can get this at multiple books here in Las Vegas at plus 180. And as you see right there at DraftKings at plus 140, I think Caesars and Boyd's both available at plus 180. and And here's the reasoning. You know, there have been two mocks that have come out this week by Bruce Feldman and Peter Schrager. Those are not your draft analysts. They're not nicks. No, they are reporters. And both of their draft mock drafts have basically stated this is from what we have heard around the league. We had Bruce Feldman on the show. Peter Schrager's came out today and both of them had Kenny Pickett going number six to the Panthers. And then Todd McShay earlier this week. Kenny Pickett going number six to the Panthers. The Panthers you know, their GM, Fitterer, basically mm-hmm. said earlier, the, you know, last week, you know, you don't want to <laughs> overdraft, but sometimes you're there and you yeah. have to draft a quarterback at number six. And then one more thing, because I know the Lions have been thought of, okay, maybe they go with a quarterback. Dan Campbell said this today on the Lions website. You want a guy who can come in and he's a day one starter. That's really what you're trying to acquire. A guy that you can feel like can come in and, He's going to be able to have solid production for you. You like to believe by the time you hit your first game that this
2: player is starting for you and he's going to be able to produce. Doesn't sound like one of the quarterbacks in this mm, draft class, does it? No, it does not. And, and that's why I was asking Sam in the last segment in terms of gauging his opinion. It seems like all these teams, Tim, like two through five, are open for business sure. you know uh, Jacksonville i think is probably they're going to take probably an edge rusher now that they franchise Cam Robinson so they're not really going to look at perhaps Evan Neal or Equanu or one of the tackles up there. So you got to think Hutchinson probably is the safest of the three. And then Detroit, I think, is open for business. I think Houston is open for business. Not that uh, it's a lock necessarily right. down there for Davis Mills, but I think Davis Mills probably deserve, earned a chance at least to win and, the job. And, say, and what I
3: would guy. say is you look at Davis Mills and then you look at these quarterbacks, and,
4: mm-hmm.
2: and, and,
3: and, the, and the way that these quarterbacks are graded out, look at Dane Brugler's The yeah. Beast that came out today. He has a first slash second round grade on both Pickett and Willis. So, you know, the more and more I think about it and the more the process of elimination and then the connection between yeah. the Panthers and Kenny Pickett, it just a lot right. of these teams seem to line up. And then you look at the odds, it's plus one eighty. So, you know, your um, you know, your your probability of that is about 36%. Plus 180 implied probability mm-hmm. is about 36%. I think there's a 36% chance that Kenny
2: Pickett goes ahead of Malik Willis. Yeah, and here's the thing. Uh, Obviously, these teams I mentioned open for business in terms of Detroit, Houston. The New York Jets, obviously, only in the second year of Zach Wilson, so they're not taking quarterback. And then you look at like the Giants with the new coach, Brian Dable, look at maybe Daniel Jones is on borrowed time, but I don't think they're going to take a quarterback because I think if you look at next year, there's a little bit more available in free agency for a quarterback. And this is the New York Giants. You know, I can be the guy that can bring him back, you know, to where they were when they won two Super Bowls with Eli Manning. So you look at the free agents next year. Jimmy Garoppolo is a free agent. Derek Carr is a free agent there's a possibility Baker Mayfield will be an unrestricted free agent. So there are guys out there. And I think that's why Carolina probably is looking at Kenny Pickett there because Sam Darnold will be a free agent in 2023. So I think these teams would love to get the right offer if you're Detroit, Houston, the Jets or the Giants. But I just don't know if there's going to be those teams because they're thinking, well, they're not taking quarterback anyway. Where's the sense of urgency to move up if you're Atlanta? if you're perhaps uh, Seattle there at number nine uh, to move up, or Washington Commanders to move up at number 11. You would think those would be the candidates. If Malik Willis does not go, that he might be there for them. So why trade up? And once again, that Scott Fitterer quote that we've talked about a
3: couple times on the show. This will be interesting because the tackles will be the best players on the board, but we do need a quarterback. And at some point, you have to take a shot, especially in the top 10. You hate to force it, because when you force it, you can make a mistake. But he basically said, you have to take a shot. Remember, they don't have a second or a third round pick this yeah. year. They're on borrowed time to an extent. I think they're, you know, hot seat situation. It, it, all the stars seem to be aligning. So when it seems too obvious, doesn't always happen. Um, so we'll see. But I think at plus 180, uh, it's certainly worth a shot. That's where I took mm-hmm. it at. And it's so funny how things have changed. Because right before the combine, I was mad at myself because I didn't grab the plus money on Malik Willis. And then he blows up, and everyone, all anyone could talk about is Malik Willis, Malik Willis, Malik Willis. And now you're looking at these, you know, minus, you know, 140, minus 170 prices. And it seems. It seems to be a little too rich on Malik Willis to be the first quarterback selected.
2: Yeah, I think so, too. Look, he was impressive at the pro day and graded out the best. I think pretty much every draft Nick out there grades him number one, but that doesn't mean it depends on where you overall have him value. Do you have him? Some have him in the top 15. Some are like, I don't have a quarterback graded in the first round, but Willis seems to be the best out of all of them. But I think with Carolina and Pickett, one of the reasons why that seems to make sense, because Matt Rule did recruit Kenny Pickett when he was at Temple. Matt Rule has shown some loyalty to Temple guys uh, on that roster, and maybe that's kind of been his demise a little bit, because he's on the hot seat. So they need to do something and this is kind of like, you know, go or go home really with this guy because Matt Rule all of a sudden and I thought he was going to be a really good NFL fed head coach early returns mm-hmm. not so good so far, so this is go or go home, do or die for him. Yeah,
3: and and I would say this, I mean, based off of, you know, who you talk to and and Sean I think even alluded to it, the ceiling is certainly higher for a guy like Malik Willis, but Kenny Pickett can
2: come mm-hmm. in and start for you. Mm-hmm day one yeah because how long was he at Pitt like six years right. it seems like yeah. almost so and the production was yeah. was, was certainly more and, impressive and, and when he finally kind of worked with like a, a real offensive coordinator Mark Whipple who now is going to take that position at Nebraska Pitt's offense was dramatically improved this year uh under Whipple so you know this is the peak of really Kenny Pickett's numbers all right so uh I'm in
3: plus 180 uh I you know, a recommended play from me. Uh, we'll see as the as the draft goes. There was a, a host of draft props that were actually dropped here uh, in town uh, just uh, earlier today. So we could uh, we'll take a look at those. But you know, going to number two, uh, this has been so fascinating to see this market uh, because at DraftKings, the co favorites to go to number two are Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker, both at plus two fifty. There was, I think it was Peter Schrager's mock today that had Kayvon Thibodeau going, to, which surprised me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Equanu, Equino- possibly Evan Neal. I-, I still think Trayvon Walker might be worth a well, look there at
2: plus 250. Well, he has the more athletic upside, basically. And Aiden but, Hutchinson, yeah. from
3: every mock you read... He's going one, right? And he's the safe pick, as me and Sean have talked about. Mm-hmm. I, I think Trayvon Walker at plus two fifty is an interesting look there. If you yeah, still get you, that price. you wonder
2: if they're going to go with the athlete, of course, a right. new coach there, if Doug Peterson, Trent Balky still running the show there in the front office. But do they want to go if you know the proven production or the guy that was on the greatest defense in college football and maybe has something to sneak out there? That's Wes Reynolds. I'm Tim Murray. It is the Nightcap. Keep some draft talk going
3: on on the other side, and also get you updated on all the games around Major League Baseball. And it's the Nightcap. You're on VSEN.
2: This is the Nightcap on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: The Masters is teed off, but that doesn't mean you still can't make some money. This tournament, our experts will tell you their best bets during the tournament for matchups, long-shot opportunities, and which golfers have the best value to win on Sunday. Sign up today and get full access to VEASAN through May. That includes the start of the baseball season underway today. Our NFL dr- betting guide for only 19 bucks. VEASAN.com spring. It is the nightcap here on VEASAN tell you what, producer Aaron Oster, who uh, Sean, for some reason, said that George Karloftis was his guy. Mm -hmm. But then Aaron Oster comes in today and stations here in Las Vegas, one of the uh, uh, shops here in town, has George Karloftis, the pride of
2: Purdue, under 24-and-a-half draft position, juiced to the over. You're making me extol the virtues of a Purdue guy here, Tim, but I think rightfully so with Karloftis. He ran well at his pro day. Kind of drifted a little bit down the early mocks and whatnot. But guy uh, is from West Lafayette, born and born and raised uh, there at uh, Harrison High School, I believe. So uh, local kid came out early in the draft. So I watched enough of this guy in the Big Ten and also watched him a little bit in high school. This guy is an impact player. And I think, you know, you're going to see him perhaps go as high in the teens. I think Sam onson, who really rated him high, I think mm-hmm. it was in his column about a week ago, said... Under, who's the most underrated players kind of in the top end of the draft? And he did list uh, George Karloftis. Yeah, we talked to edge rushers earlier this week, or last week, actually. And
3: uh, Sean obviously raved about, um, about Trevon Walker, but... Uh, was, a, was a fan of George Karloftis, and, uh, you, you know, you mentioned the potential peak of there of Karloftis. Once again, one shop in town, 24-and-a-half over-under. Juice to the over, so you get plus money to the under. And uh, Todd McShay had Karloftis going 24 to the Cowboys, and Bruce Feldman, uh, his mock draft, had Karloftis going 13 to the Texans. And, you know, I, I it's interesting to look at Bruce's – Uh, mock draft because he talks he knows so many people Mm -hmm. not in coaches too Mm -hmm. and and how people are thinking around the league and that's what made me so fascinated why he had Devin Lloyd uh, as rated as high as he had I hadn't seen any mock draft and we have a clip up on vsan.com about it about Devin Lloyd he had him going five the 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 linebacker out of uh, Utah and basically said everyone I talked to just raves and can't get enough of Uh, Devin Lloyd and what was interesting his top five odds at DraftKings haven't changed. They're still 50 to 1 but his top 10 odds have gone from 20 to Mm 1 down to 10 to 1 so still a bit of a long shot to go in the top 10
2: uh, but you know you could see a guy like like Devin Lloyd. All the mocks I've seen were like you know anywhere from 15 to 20 or maybe the early 20s but there's always movers and whatnot, and the thing that's just kind of a macro point about the draft, everything is on information, and that's why all these bookmakers at town hate absolutely hate it because <laughs> you have the information at the same time they do. You're, you're at home or you're on your phone or you're watching the various networks and reading the mocks as they get put out there on the Twitter machine and on the interwebs, if you will, and they're reading them at the same time behind the counter, so it's just a race to the number, and that's what draft betting is, essentially, and that's why uh, – These guys, you know, that are obviously focused on other stuff, you know, they've been focused on the NCAA tournament and baseball futures and win totals and NBA playoff odds and hockey playoff odds. And sometimes the draft can get ignored. And that's where you as the better actually have the advantage in this market. Yeah. And I've
3: told this story a bunch or if you watched it last year, Derek walked into the studio and said, I think it was actually his wife, Nicole, who said it was a bloodbath. And, mm-hmm. uh,
2: they'll, I, and he said on this show, I, at, and I, I get it, West I've like, talked to enough guys, yeah. Jeff Sherman, Ed yeah. Sammons at the Westgate, they you don't know, want the to guys at it. the South Point, they absolutely hate booking this
4: Yeah,
3: stuff. because they don't have an edge, you know? Right. We we as the betters, we love it. And if you do your homework, you know, I think, I don't know if everyone, but it felt like the majority of people here at Vison last year, If you didn't make a profit, you did something wrong because, I mean, all of us, you know, and differing bets around,
2: you know, we're we're finding ways to uh, to make some money. And then obviously filter that information, of course, uh, because sometimes I'm going to break some news right here on the nightcap general managers and front office personnel. They lie. (laughs) I'm just letting you guys know they lie and they'll find a, a certain reporter that might go ahead and leak that out. Maybe it's from a front office. Maybe it's from an agent. They're known uh, not to be uh, always tight with the truth either. So sometimes things do get put out there and people react to it. So that's one thing you got to be careful
3: on. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, So let's, uh, let's just look around a little bit at some of these draft over-unders, you know, uh, Nothing you have to go nuts about. These are DraftKings odds, uh, but uh, a little uh, conversation. You know, I, I do find it interesting, uh, real quickly, these are over-unders, but the wide receiver, and we talked to uh, Matt Friedman over uh, on yesterday's show. I, I don't have a great read on the wide receiver market, but I was over next door uh, at Boyd's, uh, which is one of, a local shop here in town, and they had Drake London plus 110 and Garrett Wilson plus 140. More often than not, Wes, it feels like the guy who's got more speed is going to go higher. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting to hear Sam's breakdown of Drake London, and I thought he had a pretty good anecdote where he said if the first thing you hear about is his ability to catch the ball, you know, in you know contested catches, he's like that's an issue. Right? You want to get open, so. My hunch is that Garrett Wilson,
2: I don't know, a plus a 140 is is intriguing to me to be that first wide receiver selected. Well, and there's a possibility maybe London is third receiver yeah. because don't forget about Chris Olave, who uh, not as fast as Garrett Wilson, but really soft hands, good route runner. There's a possibility maybe Buckeyes go one, two in this draft. So I could see, I know London, that size is obviously very hard to turn down. And look, uh, Atlanta, lo- you got- look- by the way, I love Drake London. I'm not a talent evaluator. I loved watching him. Mm-hmm. He's got some injury concerns
1: too. Right. He broke
3: his foot, right. uh, which which isn't really one of those that you get all that worried about. A broken bone doesn't tend to scare mm-hmm. teams off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you know, with the with the way science is nowadays. How much does an ACL tear well, scare off a team? Because yeah. Jamison Williams might have been the top wide yeah. receiver
2: selected. And London also, uh, right ankle fracture. Now, obviously, it seems like he's going to be ready to go for training camp, and that's going to be all settled, but still a concern. Yep. You got to think that Atlanta, I know the Jets have been kind of looking for a receiver. It's like, okay, we got this quarterback, Zach Wilson, out of BYU. We got to give him something to work with here. And you got to think Atlanta. I was just looking at Atlanta's uh, wide receiver, uh, uh I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, Olamidi Zacchaeus uh, I believe, or something like that. OZ and Demir Bird. Nevertheless, that is not exactly Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley back in the day down there in the ATL. So those are Marcus Mariota's new targets. It's like, you know, you're kind of leading the lamb to slaughter here a little bit if you don't get him some help. Kyle Pitts is kind of that big target mm-hmm. that, you know, he's a tight end, but they use him a lot like receivers. So they want to go with another big guy like London, or they want to go with a little bit of a smaller, sure handed guy like Olave, Because you got to think Wilson may be gone before Atlanta picks at eight. So uh, going back to the over
3: unders, I-, I think the most fascinating case uh, of this first round as we see this is-, is Kayvon Thibodeau. Because what do you do with Kayvon Thibodeau? Um, you- you've heard some of the knocks. Uh, if you read that Bruce Feldman piece that we've alluded to throughout the week, you know people wonder. I think one quote was uh, basically comparing him to Josh Rosen. Remember mm-hmm. the knock on Josh Rosen it was like, "Well, he's he's got you know uh, things he likes off the field." And Kayvon Thibodeau, when locked in, he's a guy that is as talented, maybe the most talented player in the draft. But, yeah, you know how much so his over unders five and a half now at DraftKings. This is. This is interesting because I feel like there's part of you, part of us that says, Well, if you're passing on Kayvon Thibodeau, like wh- what are we doing here? That all being said, if it's Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, mm-hmm. and then do the next two teams go Evan Neal, Equanu one way or the other, now you're coming to, you know, the the Giants at five. They could go Kayvon Thibodeau. Um or does he slip past them? You have seen a lot of mocks that maybe the Giants wait till seven to get on mm-hmm. Thibodeau. So five and a half is actually juiced uh to the over. So the over is the slight favorite
2: at minus one thirty on Thibodeau. That's gotta be where I think would be his like uh Nadir, if you will, would be number seven, that second pick for the Giants. I just I can't see this guy dropping out of the top ten. And look, uh I know that talent, you know, drafters, GMs, and vice president of football operations guys, they draft on talent. They do draft on character, and I'm not going to say Kayvon Thibodeau. I doesn't have character. I don't know, but I know that there's some things out there, and sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. But you got to have a feeling that he, I, I just can't see him falling past seven. If Atlanta is he really zeroed in on receiver Yeah, you know, Seattle. Look, Seattle's got a ton of needs. So maybe he slips to Seattle and he stays right there in the Pacific Northwest. But I can't see him falling past seven. So small lean to the over here. But do they decide to go with Talon? You know, if you're the Houston Texans and you're Lovey Smith, who loves edge rushers, you know, when he was (laughs) there in Chicago, and, you know, he's the defensive mind. So you got to think Lovey's going to really take a good long, long look at Kayvon Thibodeau.
3: All right. That is Wes Reynolds. I'm Tim Murray. We will uh, we'll, we'll jump around a little bit, hit a little master's talk here on the other side. Chris Andrews is going to join us at the top of the hour. Is he starting to get a bit nervous with the way Tiger Woods is playing? We'll look at some matchups as well. And uh, we also got opening day still going on Major League Baseball. So a lot to hit on. It is the nightcap here on Visa.
2: This is the nightcap on VSIN, the sports betting network.
3: It is the nightcap here on VSIN. Warriors and Lakers are playing right now. Lakers, they might cover again they covered earlier this week. Right. they covered uh earlier this week against the suns got that late bucket they were what catching like 12 and a half 13 in this game maybe even 14 cuz uh yeah 14 mm-hmm. two point game the lakers uh
2: three more games unfortunately for frank vogel who's going to get the blame and take the fall or at least be the first guy to take the fall for this disappointment for the lakers but i don't think frank will be out of work too long i think there's a lot of other people that should take the fall but won't obviously that organization is a complete mess a lot of different factions grasping for power out there in el segundo yeah it was uh i I still you know thinking about the night that
3: trade went down we're like I think everyone on the network was pretty much in agreement. Like, uh,
2: yeah. this, this doesn't work. Cause this it, it, it seems like Tim, that you're going to see a report come out though, that LeBron never really wanted Russell. Westbrook, Oh, or he's going to backtrack. Well, be they like, tried DeRozan to Rosen is who we
3: really wanted. They tried to trade. Uh, they tried to trade him for John wall, apparently mm-hmm. earlier this season because mm-hmm. they're,
1: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: That's going to be, uh, be leaked to a, a certain uh, network, probably. Reminds with <laughs> rhymes with uh, Nespin.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, but as Sean always says, man, we talk about the Lakers a lot.
2: Yeah, we do. Yeah, they have LeBron and then. The I Lakers. can only imagine on uh, Turner Network Television tonight. Why are we showing these guys again? <laughs> Ernie, why are we showing these guys? <laughs> uh, they're,
3: but they're being competitive. Uh, by the way, uh, a little mention here uh, for the future MVP, Nikola Jokic, uh, the first player in NBA history to have a to two thousand points. 1,000 rebounds and 500 assists mm-hmm. in the same season.
2: 35, 16, and six tonight for Jokic, by the way, in that 122-109 game over the Grizzlies. Grizzlies uh, locked into that too, so some resters for Memphis tonight. And uh, by the way, Jokic 16 of 24 from the floor tonight. Wow,
3: yeah, he is uh, he is something. The uh, Bucks did win earlier tonight. We talked about that a little bit. Uh, no Jason Tatum. Uh, Bucks win that game 127-121. Uh, I wrote down the note somewhere. I think the Bucks now 41 and 1 this year. Yep, when leading at the half. Or sorry, when leading after three quarters, mm-hmm. I beg your pardon. So uh, a pretty impressive number there. Giannis 29 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, two steals uh for Giannis in the uh, in the victory there for the Bucks as they take control of the second seed in the Eastern Conference. Is that going to be because let's just say it's Bucks and Nets first round that price for that series is going to be crazy short. It's going to be what maybe is it 120 minus 120 plus 140? Oh, I gotta think. Maybe no,
2: sorry, gonna... I mean, minus 140 plus 120 might be like a dollar 60 plus a dollar 30. Yeah, I think so because I think people are starting to kind of fall a little bit out of love with Brooklyn. Like that love affair has been all year. It's like, oh, just wait. Just wait until uh, Mayor Adams, you know, waves the mandate in New York City and Kyrie can go again. And, you know, if they can – I think there was optimism earlier that maybe Ben Simmons was going to be ready. Ben Simmons is not going to be a factor for this team. And it's just like, you look at the Brooklyn Nets, Tim, and they're just not that good. I mean, they – Like,
3: they are. Like, yeah, the only, the only has, thing – the only thing that, obviously, they have going is
2: they have Kevin Durant. Yes. And he can go and nuclear that's a, and at the, And time. that can take you a decent yeah. ways. But still – I just look at this team and it's like, you know, I'm just not impressed with these guys. And look, they could be the seven seed, obviously, uh, Brooklyn right now, 42 and 38. They are in the eighth spot. Cleveland just ahead, 43 and 37. Those two teams, play tomorrow course, night. tomorrow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that they would be
3: the Nets would be a series favorite over anybody but the Bucks,
2: wouldn't they? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I I, I think so. And by the way, that second game for the Nets, they got Indiana. Mark that as a win. Indiana, my my Pacers, my old employer back there on 125 South Pennsylvania Street in downtown Indianapolis, they mailed that in a long time ago. And you know what? As much as I hate it, Tim, because you see some of these awful games, like with Portland and these yeah. teams that are absolutely tanking, like Portland against Oklahoma City. It's like the Spider-Man meme on Twitter where they both point at each other because <laughs> it's like, we're trying to lose. No, we're no. you take the ball. No, you take the ball. And like the Pacers, they have been doing that, but they desperately need a rebuild. They have not had the opportunity to do so in 30 years. in Indy.
3: Uh, I want to do a, a longer segment. We'll, we'll, we'll keep this for the next hour um, looking at, Different uh, bets to make tomorrow for the Masters. We'll uh, will pick your brain. We'll will kind of relitigate what uh, what we talked about in the in the start of the show. Uh, let's just quickly take a gander at uh, at Major League Baseball. And you know, new audience for you here, Wes. What are some of the uh, the futures bets if you
2: have any that you fired away on? For I'll Major be honest with you. I've been waiting a couple weeks okay. because I don't have a lot. Because look. I was one of the only ones that's like, I hope this labor stoppage keeps going. Like, start this on May 1st. Like, I'd be totally <laughs> cool with it because then I'm done with basketball. Then I'm done with the Masters. I get a little bit of a break. Because when these are stacked on top of each yeah. other, I'm like, oh, come on, guys. So uh, I would have been happy waiting uh, and not starting opening day on Masters opening day. Right. I, I, come on, guys. Let's start it next Monday at least. But, you know, looking at, looking at these, I, I haven't made a ton of futures. I'm going to probably get involved as we get along with the MVP and see if there's a drift a little bit. I was looking at one the other day, a guy, and it's it's so weird to say a Yankee is not being talked about, but I did kind of like Aaron Judge. I saw him as high as 22 to 1 for AL MVP, and I was like, this guy played the most games of his career last year. He was healthy, finally. He's put to back, back-to-back back seasons where he hasn't missed, like, a ton of games. So, I saw Otani and Trout, and I don't know how good the Angels are going to be. Everybody always has these expectations for the Angels, right? <laughs> that they're going to be good. Yeah, Artie Moreno always brings in that one big free agent. It was Anthony Rendon two years ago. Now it's Thor, Noah Syndergaard. So, that's why, of course, you see Otani and Trout, very short Vlad Guerrero Jr. the Blue Jays, and that's kind of who I like in the AL East. But because I was saying all last year, Toronto's not a 2021 team; they're a 2022 team, and now 2022 is here. A lot of here.
3: people picking them to win yeah, the World Series. Yeah,
2: and 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 look, they're they're powerful. That lineup is absolutely powerful, and uh, brought in some pitching reinforcements, even though they lose Robbie Ray, who's now in Seattle. But Aaron Judge, I I, I just think that. I don't think the Yankees are going to, I know they didn't do a lot, uh, you know, Hank Brenner, and Cashman didn't really do a lot in the offseason, but I just don't think that they're going to go quietly into that good night here. I, I think that they're still going to be good. And this is probably the least hype I've heard around the New York Yankees yeah. in many, many years, because. Boston, I still think is good, even though I think they're going to regress at least slightly. So, Tampa Bay, look, Tampa Bay. Never doubt right out Tampa. There. Tampa Bay is always right there. So, you can never go wrong. They're always like the value play, yeah. seemingly. In, when in, in doubt, the bet the Tampa Bay Rays. But, Judge was somebody I'm looking for. I, w- I want to see if this drifts a little bit. Uh, you know, I think he is going to be able to stay healthy. He certainly did most of last year.
3: Um, yeah, it's funny. We did a, a segment yesterday. Fan graphs did their projections of the season. Mm-hmm. And they projected the top four teams. Sorry, Orioles. The top four teams all to finish 88 and 74. Mm -hmm. And then ESPN.com had their, you know, 35, 40 writers project, you know, who would ultimately come out and be in the playoffs. And they had all four teams making the playoffs. So I don't know if it could happen. Uh, It won't won't happen. Um, But yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. you look at the Rays. I just, I feel like when in doubt, Seeing that they're getting a little value, it's almost like you can't go wrong betting the, the Rays. By the way, it's gone final. Yep. Uh, the New York Mets without Jacob DeGrom. Who needs Jacob DeGrom when you've got Tyler McGill, baby? Exactly. Five innings, six strikeouts, no walks. He was pumping it in there. And the mm-hmm. Mets beat the Nationals 5-1 to one on the road to 92 losses, Washington Nationals. Let's do it.
2: Yeah, we'll see if the Mets are on the road to over 88 wins. Of course, that dropped when uh, DeGrom is going to be out for a little while. Scherzer, you think, is day-to-day, but... He should start tomorrow. He said all systems you know, should be go and, for him tomorrow. And, to and then you tomorrow. hear all the talk from the Braves uh, between Acuna and Freddie Freeman, that there was some tension there. So, maybe Freddie Freeman is kind of addition by subtra- or subtraction a little bit, because I think Matt Olsen can awesome. go ahead and, and replace that production. I think the Atlanta Braves the rightful favorite. Uh, Philly, uh, I think, Moniac, who is a candidate for rookie of the year. Six What's weeks out? Out? Six weeks? Yeah. 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 So Philadelphia. The- one
3: out for Scott Seidenberg. Yeah. He's been talking about yeah. that. Yeah. He's going
2: to be in a nice mood when he comes in <laughs> here in about th- uh, hour <laughs> an hour or so. So, yeah, when you look at Philly, they're going to mash, but the thing that you're always concerned about a little bit is that bullpen, of course. But I still think the Braves, the rifle favorite, but a very interesting division, as could be the AL West. But right now, uh, one nothing, I believe. What are we in the top of the six out there is the Houston Astros tying to, trying to tie a long seated record. I was looking for that. I noticed that in a column earlier today about the Astros. They would win, I think, their ninth opening day in a row. Wow. And that's going to match a long-standing record. I may have to get that on the other side while I try to well, we, find before this. Before
3: we area. go to break, while you look that up, you Darvish, by the way, has gone six innings,
2: no hits. I've got it right before the break. Nine straight opening day wins for the Astros. Uh, tied for the second longest in history. If they win tonight, that'd be ten straight. The Boston Bean Eaters did that from 1887 to 1896. Who
3: didn't know that?
2: Right off the top of my head.
3: Chris yeah. Andrews, how worried is he about Tiger Woods? We'll talk to him next right here on the Nightcap.
0: With-